I am so thankful that you are here today, and I want to welcome all of you that are watching online. And I do want to encourage you to go to the website, join us for this Point of Impact series by using the daily devotional resources and the discussion questions for your small group or for your family. I got a lot of feedback last week that told me that you are listening to this series. Uh, For example, I got a lot of people that sent me their Point of Impact testimonies. And I didn't even ask for them, but they said, I want to share with you how my life collided with Christ and how it changed everything. And I would love to hear your story if you want to tell me what your point of impact was. Another way that I know that you were listening is that a lot of those emails had on the tagline, please do not hit delete. (laughs) And another way I know that you were listening was that a number of people said, please don't ever change careers because I did mentioned last week that everybody suffers from a bout of why bother, including preachers, and we get discouraged. I heard about a preacher that left the ministry and is now a funeral home director. He was asked why. He said, because I got so discouraged. He said, I spent 10 years trying to get Joe to stop drinking, and he's still an alcoholic. I spent 15 years working with Bob and Betty on their marriage, and they still divorced. He said, now, when I straighten people out, they stay straight. (laughs) Well, there are a lot of reasons that you might want to change careers. And one of them could be an encounter with Christ. Because whenever life collides with Jesus... There is always an impact. In Matthew 9, we read about a man who changed careers because of that collision. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house... Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now this story about this guy named Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew. It's in the gospel of Matthew. So Matthew is giving us a glimpse of his life before his point of impact with Jesus. And he sums it up in two words. I was a tax collector. And you don't hear those two words like they did in Matthew's day. Maybe you hear someone who works for the IRS. Maybe you hear someone who cheats a little bit. Oh, it's so much more than that. Remember that the people of Israel are currently under the oppressive regime of an occupying power. And the way Rome kept their subjects in line was to station 
military troops in occupied territory with orders show no mercy. Put up with no nonsense. You've got a sword, use it. Fear is good. Now, how do you support an army in a faraway place? Taxes. You tax the people. How do you collect those taxes? You get some of their own people to do that for you. Why would they do that? You tell them anything you can get over the top, you can keep. And our swords will help you get it. And so, if you are a tax collector, you're not just a cheater. You're a traitor. It's hard for us to imagine our country being invaded by a foreign army. It's hard for us to imagine a neighbor down the street taking our money to pay our oppressors. Matthew was a tax collector. But there's more to this guy than what he did for a living. See, one thing that um, walking with Jesus has taught me is that people wind up where they are for a reason. How did Matthew wind up in a place no Jewish boy ever aspired to be? Was he an orphan? Did his daddy die when he was young and he had no way to support his mom and his brothers and sisters? Did he have a handicap and he couldn't get a regular paying job? Did he have a sick child and no other way to pay the medical bills? How did he get where he did? Well, nobody cared. All they knew was getting close to someone like Matthew was the worst possible PR move. So when Jesus, the new holy man on the scene, starts going toward Matthew, everyone expects he's going to walk up to that guy and he's going to say, How dare you? And instead, he says, Follow me. Now, it raises the obvious question. What did Jesus see in Matthew? I read an article a few years ago about a man named George Walton. He lived in the first part of the last century, and he was an estate appraiser. And so, when he would manage estate sales, he would often get first dibs on books or jewelry or guns or things he thought were valuable, and he especially loved coins. Now, back in 1913... They minted five Liberty Head nickels. So in 1945, when he ran an estate sale and there was one of those nickels, he paid almost $4,000 to buy it. An outrageous amount of money back then. But he told his family this would be worth a lot more. He died in a car wreck in 1962. So his family took that nickel and appraiser said, it's a fake. It's not worth anything. So they stuck it in a box in the closet. It would be inherited later by his nephew. In 2003, 
they put the four 1913 Liberty head nickels on display and said, there's one more out there and we'll pay you $1 million. And that nephew opened that box and took that nickel and took it in. And later appraisers compared it to the other nickels and said, it's the real thing. He sold it for $3.1 million. And Jesus was always doing something like that. The experts were saying of many, they are worthless, they have no value. And he would come along later and say, oh no, I've compared them to all the others and they are of immense worth. Because Jesus didn't see a problem. He saw a patient. And he was a doctor. And he also saw a great potential kingdom difference maker. And so remember this about Jesus. He didn't just forgive sinners. He friended them. Jesus made friends intentionally of people that he wanted to make disciples. And there's a whole sermon in that one sentence for another time. And when he made friends of people like Matthew, he made waves. It's not true that the greatest leaders avoid controversy. Sometimes the great leaders intentionally step into controversy. And Jesus knew what this would do. So immediately the religious leaders start saying things like, Why does your teacher eat And drink with tax collectors and sinners. And their question was completely consistent with their theology. Because they believed God dismissed train wrecks like Matthew. And so you should disassociate from anyone God has dismissed. And their ideas about God kept them from recognizing God in their midst. And that should sober you up. That what you think about God could keep you from seeing God. There are three surprises in this story. Matthew is surprised that Jesus would notice him. The Pharisees are surprised that Jesus would call him. And Jesus is surprised that everybody is so surprised. And he says to them, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not Sacrifice. Because the problem is not what Jesus thought of Matthew. The problem is what his critics thought of God. So Jesus says, you need to do a fresh Bible study. Because the point is that God will have mercy. You see, fundamental to Christianity... Is the belief in the godness of Jesus. 
We celebrate this every year at Christmas. That we believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh. It is fundamental to Christianity to believe in the godness of Jesus. But just as fundamental is to believe in the Jesusness of God. That God is like Jesus. Which means then that he is a God who delights in and operates out of a heart of mercy. In other words, if you are going to see God, you need to think right about God. And the point is, God will have mercy. Titus 3, verse 5, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace we've been saved. The point is any solid theology of God has got to be built on a foundation of mercy. And the point should have an impact. For example, mercy impacts the way we hear Scripture. Some of you remember several years ago one day I taught in the Tarrant County jails. And when I was through, two of the prisoners came up to me and said, Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick, did you know the Bible says there will not be any women in heaven? I said, I don't think I ever saw that in the Bible. Where did you see it? They turned to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, which says, Then he opened the seventh seal, and there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Well, I think they were kidding. But I'm not kidding. When you read the Bible in any way that writes some people out of God's story, you have read the Bible wrong. Jesus says to these guys who are religious scholars, who are the seminary professors and the PhDs in Bible of their day, he says, you need to go get your Bible back out and re-read it and learn what this means. Because you can be an expert in the Bible and a total dunce. In the message of the word. It is possible. To completely miss. The word of God. Because you don't understand. How much God. Delights. In mercy. The lens of mercy. Is the interpretive grid. Through which we read all. Of the Bible. 
Because God operates out of a mercy paradigm. Even last week when we celebrated the death and the resurrection of Jesus. What was behind that story? The mercy of God. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, Jesus is the rabbi for the church. What I mean by that is Jesus teaches us how to read the Bible. Because if you're not careful, you will read a list of rules and you will come up with an interpretation that hurts people. And what Jesus does is teach us the Bible is not promoting the love of law. It's promoting the law of love. And we have to hear well in order to see well. Because mercy impacts the way we see people. Because here's the deal. We tend to view people by assessing how we are different instead of how we are alike. We notice their ethnicity, their accent, their educational status, their socioeconomic status, their politics. And we tend to see people not by how much they are like me, but by how different they are from me. So, this man and woman are upstairs in bed. It's a terrible storm outside, and at three in the morning, they are awakened by a now knocking on the front door. He gets out of bed, goes downstairs, opens the door, and there's a drunk guy saying, Can you give a fella a push? And he says angrily, no, it's three in the morning, slams the door, goes back upstairs, get in bed. His wife says, who was that? Some drunk wanting to push. And she says, honey, don't you remember three months ago when our car stalled? And two men we didn't even know stopped and helped us? He said, you're right. So he gets out of bed, he goes downstairs, goes out in the driving rain, says, you still here? And he hears a voice, yes. You still need a push? Yes. Where are you? Over here on the swing set. And (laughs) the point is, we forget how much alike we are. And like the Pharisees, we like to trump up our differences. In fact, do you know the, first, the, the four most hated words in a Pharisee's Bible are from Romans chapter 3. There is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you don't think right about God, you think God cares about differences. Remember the two guys who went to church to pray? And one guy prays, Lord, I thank you 
I'm different from other people. Especially that guy. I do this and this and this and this. I know you're impressed. That guy was a tax collector. Do you remember his prayer? Luke 18. It says he stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He just beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. And the next verse is one of the most shocking things Jesus ever said. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Jesus is not calling us to be bad, He's calling us to realize nobody is that good. He says, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Why didn't he come to call the righteous? Because there wouldn't have been anybody to call. Because no one is righteous. No, not one. He's not dividing people. He's leveling all people. We're all sick. That's why we sing, everyone needs compassion. The kindness of a Savior. Let mercy fall on me. That's why you shouldn't get haughty and upset when you see hypocrites at church. That's where they belong. What better place for sinners to be than at church? You ever come to this church and you don't see a bunch of sinners? Well, you need to shut this thing down. You need to be careful being critical. Of people who were critical. Because you and I need way too much grace to ever treat anybody disgracefully. Now you're going to get criticized no matter what you do. So you might as well get criticized for the things Jesus got criticized for. And Jesus got criticized. For making friends with the people nobody wanted to be friends with. It's not easy to be like Christ. People don't like when you're like Christ. But when you've been impacted by mercy, you change whether others like it or not. Because mercy impacts the way we follow Jesus. It's pretty obvious you read the story and you ask the question, What did Jesus see in Matthew? Less obvious, but in some ways more powerful to me, is this question. What did Matthew see in Jesus? That he would leave everything and start over with him. I think Matthew saw someone that understood, despised, and rejected. Because Matthew 
was despised and rejected. And he knew Jesus was too. I think Matthew saw somebody that cared more about a person's future than he did about their past. I think Matthew saw somebody that was willing to be the solution. And not just complain about the problem. Have you ever considered the mercy of Dr. Jesus? Dr. Jesus makes house calls. Because you can't go to his office. So he came where you live. Dr. Jesus makes the right diagnosis. We want to whine and whine about the symptoms. And Dr. Jesus says, no, dear one. It's your sin. That's the problem. And then Dr. Jesus prescribes the perfect cure. And the best part, Dr. Jesus pays the bill. My friend Max Licato writes that when he sent his daughter off to college, he set up a checking account for her. Because he wanted her to have the experience of managing some money and learning to live on a budget. But because she was a minor, he had to sign on as a guarantor of the account. And so after some months, he gets a statement from the bank that there's been overdraft. The bank is owed money. What's he to do? Well, he could just ignore the debt, but you know banks and they don't ignore debts. Debt has to be paid. He could call his daughter and chew her out. It might make him feel better, but it still doesn't pay the debt. He could tell his daughter to pay the debt. But he knew she had no resources. And so he paid the debt out of his riches. And he called his daughter. And she began... To say, Daddy, I'm so sorry. Daddy, I don't have any money. Daddy, could you? And before she could finish the sentence, he said, Honey, I already have. Because a father, rich in mercy, meets the need before the child even knows it's there. That's what Matthew saw. And a man like that is worth a career change. A man like that is worth following. That's our story. Peter says, chapter 2, once we were not a people, but now we're the people of God. Because once... We had not received mercy, but now we have received the mercy 
of God. And Matthew was so impacted, he said, I'm going to write a book about this guy. Because he wanted the message to him to be the message through him. Mercy always has an impact. Remember, Jesus did not call Matthew after he cleaned himself up. He did not put him on probation and say, six months later, we'll talk. He called the absolute worst version of Matthew. He didn't love a better version of Matthew. He loved him just as he was. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ loved us. Because when else could he love us? When have we not been sick? You ever gone to an outlet store, a thrift store? You see a rack of clothes and it says, as is. What does that mean? It means just know before you buy, there's a flaw. It might be a stain, it might be a tear, it might be a hole. Just know you're buying a flaw. Here's the good news. The CEO of the universe. The one we worshipped. The great I am. Does. As is. You were flawed. And he bought you. This church is full of messed up, jacked up, flawed people. You're welcome. (laughs) And all you have to do to be a part of what God is doing here is stop pretending you never get sick. I'd like you all to stand. We're going to read together from the prophet Micah. And I hope as you read out loud these words with me, you will read them through the lens of the ministry of Jesus. And you will hear fresh the word. Of the Lord. So read out loud with me. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will treat our sins underfoot. And hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Is that some good news? This is the God of Jesus. This 
is the Jesus who is God. And God will have mercy. That's the point. And it ought to impact everything. So, Father, I'm just praying right now that you will help us to receive, be bathed in, and drink deeply from the well of mercy. May it change the way we read the Bible. May it change the way we treat people. May it change the way we follow Jesus. Because we're sick. But we have a doctor. And he has given us a future. Thank you. For Jesus. Amen. If you're on our response team, would you please take our your places? We're going to sing. We're going to worship the, this great God. And you can come for prayer. You can come for counsel. You can come to confess this Jesus and be baptized. Because it's not bad to be sick. But it's foolish. To not come to the doctor. So come while we sing.